This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Biodiversity for Malaysia is our monthly series which aims to get everyone on the same page when it comes to all things biodiversity related, especially on issues surrounding the Convention on, on Biological Diversity post-2020 framework process, the 30 by 30 target and more. So in this month's episode, we are asking what exactly does protecting 30% of the planet's environment look like, especially for biodiversity rich but still developing Southeast Asian countries? How will embracing the target provide that what's needed by 2030 to ensure our planetary survival while making good economic sense for countries like Malaysia, Thailand and the Philippines. So today I'm going to get some regional perspectives from Dr. Michael P. Atrigenio. He's an assistant professor at the Marine Science Institute from the University of the Philippines. Weijin Supala, he's a researcher at the Marine Biodiversity Research Group from the Department of Biology at the Faculty of Science in Ramkangheng University over in Thailand. And of course, my collaborator Julian Hyde, the general mm-hmm. manager of ReefCheck. Malaysia. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you today? Good afternoon, Julia. All good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. So uh, we're very excited, you know, Julian and I, we're going to get uh, regional perspectives, isn't it? Uh, just to see how, uh, you know, our neighbours are doing uh, in terms of biodiversity uh, protection. So maybe we can t- uh, start off with uh, Michael maybe, and, and Richin. Maybe you can talk to me a little bit about the biodiversity in your respective countries. So Michael, for, you know, the Philippines, I know is recognised as one of the world's 17 mega diverse countries. But I was reading that uh, only 3% of the Philippines remains covered with pristine forests. Um, 70% of the country's coral reefs are in poor or fair condition. There's a large amount of mangroves that have disappeared. There's things like overfishing, you know, destructive fishing practices are rampant. Would you say that description is accurate? Yeah, I guess the description that you got is actually accurate. Sadly, that we had actually one of the richest biodiversity in the world, either land or the ocean, no, the ocean in particular. That's because of our archipelagic uh, nature of our country and then the, the history of how the Philippines was formed. You know that the uh, Philippines is an archipelagic country, the components islands, yeah. actually came from different plates that converged to what it's uh, the present-day Philippines today. And then when that's these islands coming from different plates bring with them the, 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 the rich uh, biodiversity and you know and and, and becomes uh, the present day Philippines. Uh, it's very sad because uh, years of uncontrolled fishing and destruct uh, you know destruction of the environment, both on the land and also in the sea, had resulted to this. You know, you are correct. Three percent of our forest is left, mm-hmm. and then only five percent of our coral reefs are in um, excellent condition. So. Much of our reefs had been lost, but still the biodiversity is still there uh, with, with the remaining reefs that we have. And the mangroves, as you said, yes, also it's uh, most of our mangroves are gone, but there are still some substantial areas of mangroves left, but in certain spots in the Philippines. But maybe things can be done to turn, turn this around. And if uh, we promote good management, maybe we can bring back the pristine uh, areas that we used to have. 
in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. All is not lost, pretty much, right? We still there's still some hope, and maybe you know you can also help explain what losing these ecosystems. You know, not to mention uh, the impacts of overfishing. Uh, you know, there's climate change, there's extreme weather events. What would all of that mean to your country's rich biodiversity and also its people? Yeah, we're we are an archipelagic country, and our dependence on the fisheries is very high. Yeah. In fact, seventy percent of our protein comes from the sea. So that alone is you know, an impetus for protecting our marine environment. And it's very, very sad that since 1950s, when there's you know, uh, uncontrolled fishing and the use of destructive fishing methods you know, had resulted to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and on the threshold part is, is that uh, lugging in the 1970s up to the early 80s, you know, had resulted to the decline of our forests. And that because maybe uh, environmental awareness before was not as as high as today, uh, people are not aware of the impact of their activities, whether in the sea or on land. It's just recently that we know that, you know, they, to sustain the ecological services, we have to keep also the environment intact. All right. And we'll discuss, you know, some methods that are, you know, in place uh, a little bit later. But maybe, Wichin, I can talk to you now and ask you the same question. I mean, Thailand is one of the most biodiversity-rich countries in Southeast Asia. But also, I was reading, has the second highest rate of forest loss in Southeast Asia. Uh, But, you know, the country possesses unique coastal and marine biodiversity along the coastline. Mangrove forests are abound. Um, Tell me, you know, what what, what is your report card, I guess, you know, on uh, the state of biodiversity in Thailand? Yeah, um, in Thailand... We have the marine uh, area in the Gulf of Thailand and the uh, Andaman Sea. And we have a uh, diverse biodiversity of marine and coastal resources like uh, mangrove, uh, seagrass bait, and coral reef. And uh, they, they provide uh, lots of uh, benefits or services to our society. And we have uh, used that uh, coral uh, no, I mean uh, coastal and marine ecosystem uh, for uh, for many activities in in the countries that uh, push and uh, push our economic growth. And yeah, we have some problems on that because uh, when we use it unsustainably, so the resources uh, has been declined through times and. We have uh, used it in tourism uh, sectors. We have used it in fisheries. And I think uh, we just like, and we are now facing with the global climate change. Mm-hmm. And these combination have uh, declined our marine and coastal resources into the lower status uh, than before. Mm, okay, and I just I was just wondering, you know, about those maintained protected areas, right? That you were talking about. I was reading that, uh, you know, in twenty twenty, it was estimated to cover about nineteen percent of Thailand's land area, right? Uh, how would you rate the success of these areas in uh, preserving biodiversity to date? So, protected area has been a talk uh, in Thai society for a long time. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, we uh, established uh, several types of uh, marine protected area based on the IUCN definitions. We have both uh, terrestrial and uh, marine ecosystem uh, protected uh, on just like 
marine national park, uh, wildlife sanctuary, no hunting areas, or so on. And uh, the the problem is we are still questioning about the uh, management effectiveness of each marine protected area. Sure. And uh, having the marine protected area give a huge uh, benefits on bio, uh, biodiversity and conservation outcomes. But in some case, they don't have effective management or governance system to protect or to, to act on that uh, marine protected area. We are still have some problem on that. Okay. All right. So I guess it's a little ambiguous, the uh, effectiveness of it, I mean, as, as we stand, as it stands now? Okay. 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 All right. And Julian, maybe I can just quickly talk to you. I mean, uh, we've we've spoken about this many, many times, but you know, how would you rate uh, the protected areas here in Malaysia? I mean, what are our sort of like? We are also one of the seventeen uh, mega diverse countries in in the world. Uh, yeah. Where where do we stand? I suppose compared to the Philippines and Thailand. Um, it's very interesting to listen to Michael and Wichin because essentially we're in the same position. Uh, we have managed areas. Uh, 42 islands in Peninsular Malaysia are established as marine protected areas. Um, but uh, management effectiveness, uh, you know, it, we, we're not sure because we haven't, there's, there's not been a lot of uh, assessments of management effectiveness. So they're there, like in uh, Thailand, but how effective they are, not quite so sure. Um, threats are the same overfishing, destructive fishing, coastal development, overpopulation. All of these problems are remarkably similar for the three countries. Okay. All right. Yes. And uh, it's, it sounds like almost the same thing, right, over and over again. But, you know, we must keep talking about it. And, well, along with Myanmar, the Philippines and Thailand are also three of the most consistently vulnerable countries on the planet to extreme climate events. You know, Wichit, you were alluding to that. Um, and, and current trends indicate we're only bec- going to become uh, even worse impacted, isn't it, with each uh, new year? Are you guys hopeful that, you know, a global target such as the 30 by 30 goal uh, to protect 30% of the world's land and ocean by 20? 30. Are you hopeful that that's going to be included in a new global strategy to sort of safeguard our biodiversity? Uh, Michael, do you want to take that first? Yeah, um, I guess the science is telling us that protecting 30% of our land and seas will protect 85% of biodiversity globally. So we need only a small, uh, you know, just 30% to protect 30% to protect that much of biodiversity. But that's not actually enough. It, ha- it has to be combined with, you know, the traditional regulatory method of, you know, managing the fisheries resources. Mm-hmm. So that the remaining 70% should also be protected or managed in order to sustain and to protect a biodiversity uh, fully. And I guess it's a case-to-case basis. Um, 30 by 30 is an aspirational goal for maybe globally, but in the Philippines, 30% is not even enough for some areas because the population of fish has been so dispensated that, you know, you need even larger areas, larger than 30% to sustain fisheries. So we have already studies that have shown that, you know, some areas even need to protect 50% of their municipal waters in order to sustain yeah. and uh, for to let the fisheries recover up the to the sustainable level. So we have those situations, but I guess, you know, as a consensus uh, by scientists around the world, maybe the 30% is a sweet spot, but although there are some other studies that show that, you know, we have to protect even 50 to 70%. 
to sustain the biodiversity around the world. Yeah. And and Richie, maybe I can ask you the same question. Are you also very hopeful, you know, but that the thirty by thirty goal is is a strategy that can help us safeguard our biodiversity? Yeah, I completely agree about uh, this target because uh, having more uh, protected area, you will have the hope for uh, safeguarding the biodiversity. And of course, uh, 30 by 30 targets uh, is quite new in Thailand. But uh, you know what? Uh, actually, Thailand, we, we have uh, expansion of uh, MPA, which is one of the the missions of the Department of Marine and Coastal uh, Resources in Thailand. So they have this one for years that they're trying to expand uh, MPA. And we have at least about uh, 5% that are currently protected now. Uh, to achieve the 30 by 30 is quite ch uh, challenging for us. Yeah, but I think this is a good, a good thing that we can do something uh, we can uh, just like jog the public perception to pay attention to this. Yeah, I think that that is the the, the possible the, the the possible way that that we can uh, achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, Julian, anything you wanted to add in terms of the Malaysian perspective on this? Yeah, I think uh, as Mike said, the the thirty percent protection target is a is an aspiration, right? Uh, and the science supports it. So globally. We need to protect 30% of the oceans. I get that. Um, but what's relevant at local level? As Mike said, some of their areas, you need to protect more than 30% because, for example, fisheries are very depleted. So how much of the Philippine seas need to be protected overall? I don't know. But you need to look on a case-by-case -case basis and say, okay, in this area, we need to protect 50%. In this area, we need to close 70%. This area is okay. doesn't need any more protection. You know, So the 5% of that. So I think... I think we need to be a bit more nuanced about that target and we need to look at it locally and say, well, exactly what is it we're trying to protect and then protect 30% of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And, you know, we need to talk about how we're going to actually achieve that and, you know, who are these sort of uh, agencies involved in, you know, in, in, in making this a reality, not just, you know, local communities and researchers and environmentalists. But let's do that after this quick break. I'm speaking today to Dr. Michael P. Atrigenio. He's an assistant professor at the Marine Science Institute at the University of the Philippines. Richin Subbala, he's a marine biodiversity, he's a researcher at the Marine Biodiversity Research Group at the Department of Biology Faculty of Science at Ramkang Heng University and Julian Hyde, the general manager of Reef Check Malaysia. It's another episode of Biodiversity for Malaysia. We're seeing what we can learn from Southeast Asia in terms of, you know, protecting the biodiversity that we have. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I am Juliet Jacobs. It's another episode of Biodiversity for Malaysia, our ongoing series which aims to get everyone on the same page when it comes to all things biodiversity related, especially with regard to the Convention on Biological Diversity post-2020 framework process and especially also the 30 by 30 target. So today on the show, uh, joining me are uh, Julian Hai, the General Manager of Reef Check Malaysia. We also have Dr. Michael P. Atrigenio. He's an Assistant Professor at the Marine Science Institute at the University of the Philippines and Vijin Supala, he's a researcher at the Marine Biodiversity Research Group at the Department of Biology, Faculty of Science at Ram Kang Heng University. We're having a regional perspective, you know, looking at how, uh, how you know, other countries, uh, not just Malaysia, are also fighting to uh, reach this 30 by 30% 30 target uh, and, you know, how we can actually 
actually uh, make that a reality. Now, all three of you are mostly focused on marine uh, biodiversity and conservation, right? Uh, Can we talk a little bit about what the bigger picture is in terms of uh, marine biodiversity conservation in your country? Uh, uh, Wichin, maybe you want to go first. Which government agencies are involved in marine biodiversity conservation in Thailand? Yeah, generally we have uh, four government agencies that uh, can establish marine uh, protected area in Thailand under their acts or the regulation that they have. And the first one is the Department of Marine uh, National Park, Wildlife and Plants Conservation or DNP, uh, which is able to establish the national park, wildlife sanctuaries and no-take areas. The second one is the Department of um, Marine and Coastal Resources, or the MCR, uh, which uh, can designate a marine protected area and others uh, marine wildlife protection measures. And also the DMCR is the the focal point uh, for the UNESCO Man and uh, Biosphere Program. So they can propose the area to establish the, the biosphere reserve. The third one is the the Office of Natural Resources and Environmental Policy and Planning, or ONEP, which is uh, the body under the Ministry of uh, Natural Resources and, and Environment. And uh, it is also a national focal point for the, for the Ramsar Conventions. So they can designate and propose the environmental uh, uh, protection area and also they can propose the candidate uh, areas for the Ramsar site designation. Uh, last but not least, we have a Department of Fisheries, which uh, can establish the area for aquatic uh, plants and animal conservation, that, that, uh, that government agency that we have in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And, and what percentage of marine areas are currently protected uh, in Thailand? Uh, for the marine area? Yeah. Uh, we have only, uh, so far, we have about 5.1% of the total marine area. Okay, 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 all right. And, and would, you, would you say that uh, there's a positive attitude, you know, in all those agencies and the government that you mentioned just now towards protecting more areas, so a bit more than that 5%? Yeah, uh, currently, we have so far 5%, right, or uh, 16,000 square kilometers, but uh, they are trying to push uh, another locations. Uh, for example, the, the MCR is, is now uh, preparing uh, to, to designate 30 locations uh, as the MPA, and another government agency like uh, GNP, uh, GNP is planning to establish two new marine parks and two marine wildlife sanctuaries as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the ONEP uh, is also planning uh, for uh, environmental protection areas. And if we include uh, the area of the total locations that going to be designated in the future, I think uh, Thailand MPA will reach about 9.37% uh, of uh, the goal of the marine areas. Uh, but the, the problem is if if we cal- calculating based on the the total marine area, which is include the uh, exclusive economic zone, uh, the 
the percentage would be like this. <laughs> we will not be higher or achiever uh, to 30%. And we are now trying to propose that uh, the percentage should be on the total area of our ecosystem or the ecologically important area that would make uh, makes uh, possible to achieve the 30 by 30 targets. Okay. All right. And uh, uh, Mike, if I can ask you the same question, uh, can you talk to me a little bit about the marine biodiversity conservation in your country? Uh, who are the different agencies involved, all of that? Yeah, uh, Philippines is known for uh, our marine protected areas. In fact, we are considered the center of marine MPAs in the world. We have at the latest count, we have around 1,800 MPAs. That is a combination of both nationally managed, the big ones, and the small ones which are managed locally uh, by the community and their um, municipal leaders. Uh, and then uh, as regard to you know, making them functional, we have actually developed a tool, we call it MEET, for the MPA effectiveness assessment tool. And we are using that to assess all of this 1,800 if funding opportunity allows us. But uh, we know for a fact that 50% of those, so 1,800 uh, MPs are non-functional. So we have devised, uh, for example, an incentive system. We have created an award system for the best managed MPs to encourage more MPs to become more functional. So yeah, that's, that's one way. And, and uh, as regard to the impetus of you know, protecting or establishing MPEs, uh, many of the small MPEs were established with the end goal of sustaining fisheries. Mm -hmm. But those at the national level, the big ones, uh, the impetus is actually biodiversity. So it's just a secondary goal for the small ones to protect uh, biodiversity. Because if you delineate an area as a protected area, you're actually protecting both. Uh, you're protecting biodiversity as well as sustaining your, sustaining your fisheries. And for the agencies um, agencies in the Philippines that are into protected area establishments, uh, we have the Department of Environment Natural, Natural Resources, uh, the one that's in charge for our national integrated protected area systems in the Philippines, so the big ones. So these are managed nationally, and there is an automatic allocation from, from the government for sustaining these protected areas. But the small ones, 20 hectares or even less than 20 hectares, although there is also some uh, big ones uh, for the locally managed MPAs, they are um, being managed by TLGUs, so local government units, uh -huh. under the Department of Interior, uh, under the Department of Interior. And then the, the Department of Agriculture, particularly the Bureau of Fisheries, are also into marine protected area establishment. So the main impetus there, because it's PFAR for fisheries, is sustaining, sustaining fisheries. And only the biodiversity is just a secondary goal. So all of these agencies are working together. In fact, they come up with the joint memorandum of agreement to increase more protected areas in the Philippines. And I guess um, even without the 30 by 30, we are going into that direction. And uh, the, the reason why there are a number of marine protected areas established in the Philippines is actually it's also in response to the 
IG target mm. in which, you know, during the IG target, yeah. we our goal is actually to protect 10%. And Philippines, if we include all MPAs in the, in the country, we have reached actually 11%. So we are an overachiever as regard to the IG. But most of them are OECS. It still uh, requires some, you know, recognition by uh, the international body, whether we can consider them as protected areas. Okay. And, and generally, you would say there's a positive attitude towards protecting more areas by the authorities and the local government? Yes, because it's mandated by law. There is the, our local government code mandates all the, the municipalities uh, to protect at least 15% of their municipal waters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Julian, anything you want to, I mean, you know, comparing it to Malaysia, how do you say, yeah, we're doing, yeah. Malaysia's at about 5%, so similar to uh, Thailand. And again, similar to what Wichin said, I think the focus should be on protecting what's there. So let's find out where the the valuable ecosystems are uh, and then decide how we're going to to, to manage or protect those rather than large areas of sea where there isn't an awful lot necessarily to be protected. I think that there's... Our jurisdiction in Malaysia is a bit clearer. Uh, Marine Parks Department is responsible for uh, for marine protected areas mm-hmm. in Peninsular Malaysia, in East Malaysia, it's Sabah Parks and Sarawak Forestry Corporation. But it's, it's it's quite clear who's who's responsible. There are not multiple agencies setting up different protected areas, although some state governments now are talking about doing so. So that will com- complicate the picture a little bit. Uh, but the, the the targets are responsible of uh, responsibility of federal government. So. That's that's quite clear. And when we when Mike mentioned the IEG targets, yeah, we we also failed at that one. Yeah. Um, but it's you know the replacement of the the target three thirty by thirty in the global biodiversity framework will be a federal federally owned as it were target at uh, at Ketsa, mm-hmm. Ministry of Energy and Natural Resources. So again, similar similar position in in all three countries. You know, yeah. uh, not looking at thirty by thirty, questioning the. What thirty percent? What looking at you know the, the important areas that we might want to protect, and, and how we can best do that. And and does you know for for Richin and for Mike you know do your respective countries support that global ambition? I mean clearly you both do, but you know in on a, on a uh, national level, on a government level, do you support that global ambition to protect thirty percent of marine areas by twenty thirty? Uh, Richin. Yeah, um, based on our observation uh, in several meetings that I attended, I feel that uh, there is some positive attitude uh, of the government agencies uh, that uh, they're trying to to set the objective to achieve the 30 by 30 targets of the post-2020 global biodiversity framework. And uh, this target has been uh, raised and discussed in several meetings too. And uh, their discussion tends uh, to talk more about uh, how to achieve the 30 by 30 uh, target rather than opposing it. Yeah, that is good news. And uh, besides the MPA expansion topics, they, they, they also mention not only just expand the marine protected area, but they need to improve the management effectiveness of the M- MPA too. Mm-hmm. And um, how you, you mentioned that, you know, uh, Thailand is talking about plans actually, rather than whether to oppose the 30 by 30 target, isn't it? What are some of the plans that, uh, that you know of? Yeah, for the, the plan that, uh, for, for the plan specifically, in the, to the 30 by 30, uh, 30 by 30 target, we, we we don't have yet that plan, but we have the plan that we that we have our 
that we have implemented so far. Just like uh, each uh, department, they have their own plan and uh, they set uh, expanding the MPA is one of uh, the mission of their, uh, of their implementation. Okay. All right. And uh, Mike, how about for the Philippines? Uh, you mentioned it's already in your legal framework, um, but uh, how, how is uh, the Philippines planning to achieve the 30 by 30 target uh, as far as you know? Yeah, I guess, as I said, this is a global goal. Sure. I guess we are supporting it. Government is supporting that. But it boils down to what ecosystems and the range of species that we have to protect. Not, not just areas, as Julian and, you know, and Wichin highlighted. It has to be what ecosystems that we have that needs uh, protection. So it's not just, you know, globally we we delineate an area and that's it. Mm. So we have also to look at the range of species and the range of ecosystems that we have, that all of this should be represented in the 30%. So because it will be, you know, futile if we just, you know, start, like, for example, we protect the entire Alaska, protect the entire Antarctica and the and the you know, Arctic, and that maybe 50% already of, of our seas and land. But it does not protect the kind of marine biodiversity that we want to protect. All right. oh, well, in, in the country, I guess 30% is still very high. I don't think that's achievable. That's why the government is consulting the, the scientific community uh, in order to come up with a realistic realistic goal. I guess it's not 30%. It's maybe lower than 30% because we have learned our lesson, for example, in the IG, mm-hmm. although we are quite an achiever in there, but it's really very difficult to achieve even maybe more than 15%. So we have to convene the scientific meeting on that. The government actually uh, informed us already that there will be a series of consultation uh, after the meeting in Montreal that they will be consulting us to determine how much more we can commit globally uh, to project towards the achieving the 30 by 30 goal. Okay. All right. And, and Julian, you know, we also, as you mentioned, you know, we didn't meet our Aichi targets. Uh, we are also, Malaysia, we're also a little bit hesitant about this 30 by 30 target, isn't it? But I mean, our government is um, supporting it, isn't it? Um, I think there is support at some levels. But there's, there are two global, sorry, two, two international coalitions that have been set up, the High Ambition Coalition and the Global Ocean Alliance, which are promoting the 30 by 30 target. Uh, and, you know, these are, from what I understand, they're mainly developed nations. Uh, one of them is led by the UK, one of them is led by French and uh, another country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they are encouraging countries to sign up to the 30 by 30 target. Um, Malaysia has not joined either of those coalitions, um, although, like I said, I think there is support in some areas for, for Malaysia to join it. Um, and I would be weary. I, I would be wary. As Mike said, they failed to meet the Philippines failed to meet the IEG target. Can't make ten percent. Why sign up for thirty percent? Right? We've we've had this conversation before. Yeah. But I think so. So that's one part of it. Let Let's work out what a, what is a realistic target for Malaysia. And maybe 10%, if, you, if you're looking at EEZ, maybe 10% is sensible. But as I keep saying, you know, let's not look at the whole EEZ. 30% of what? Okay, 30% of our coastal ecosystems. We can probably manage that because they're in a fairly well-defined zone. We know where most of them are. And we can say that 
as, as uh, Mike and Richard earlier on said, 30% is scientifically valid. So let's find out where they are and protect 30% of those. And just as an example, uh, pull out Tiem, Tiem and Island is a, is a marine protected area, or the waters around it are a marine protected area. So let's say we should protect 30% of that. Mm -hmm. right? The waters beyond there, which are basically sandy bottom, right? Those are that's a fisheries management issue. But in terms of the biodiversity around the island, around the coral reefs and mangroves and seagrass beds, well, let's say that we're going to protect 30% of what is in Tiamat uh, in, in very well-managed zones. Uh, that, that's another way to look at the 30% target for me. Okay. All right. Uh, we just need to go for one more quick break. When we come back, I would like to talk a little bit about something Mike mentioned just now, you know, the uh, other effective area-based conservation measures and also, you know, the role of Indigenous people and local communities. Uh, I'm speaking today to Dr. Michael P. Atrigenio. He's an assistant professor at the Marine Science Institute at the University of the Philippines. Richin Supaila, he's a researcher at the Marine Biodiversity Research Group, Department of Biology, Faculty of Science, Ramkang Heng University, and Julian Hyde, the general manager of Reef Check Malaysia. It's another episode of Biodiversity for Malaysia. We're talking about the 30 by 30 target and you know what's a realistic sort of way of uh, achieving that we'll have more after this quick break you're listening to earth matters on the bigger picture bfm 89.9 Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's another episode of Biodiversity for Malaysia on Earth Matters, our monthly series which aims to get everyone on the same page when it comes to all things biodiversity related, especially with issues surrounding the Convention on Biological Diversity post-2020 framework process, 30 by 30 target and more. So joining me today uh, from the Philippines, Dr. Michael P. Atrigenio, an assistant professor at the Marine Science Institute, University of the Philippines. From Thailand, Richin Supaila. He's a researcher at the Marine Biodiversity Research Group at the Department of Biology, Faculty of Science and at Ramkang Heng University. And of course, my collaborator, Julian Hyde, the General Manager of Reef Check Malaysia. We're talking all things 30 by 30 today, right? And uh, what is a realistic way, I suppose, of, uh, you know, saying yes to that target, I suppose, which is a uh, target three uh, of the post-2020 global biodiversity framework. So, um, you know, something that always comes up in these conversations is other effective area-based conservation measures or OECMs, right? Uh, Michael, you were talking about it a little bit just now. Uh, uh, so uh, does the Philippines recognize uh, OECMs? Uh, yes, it's just recently that the Philippines recognized OECMs part of our national integrated protected area system. We have actually passed a law. Actually, it's just an improvement of the an, an old law on protected areas in the Philippines. We call it ENIPAS. And there it's uh, clearly stated that OECMs are already part of our uh, national integrated protected area system. And uh, in the Philippines, we have, I mentioned, we have the small MPAs and the big MPAs, and it's only the big MPAs that get reported mm -hmm. to, to the world database. And the small MPAs are not because the small MPAs, although they are, you know, technically they are actually protected areas because they, these are no take areas, but they are, you know, classified, uh, categorized under OEZM. When us in the scientific community, we consider them as actually MPAs and even better MPAs, system of MPAs, because these are all no-take areas compared to a big protected areas where you have multiple zones within the protected areas. So there are some sort of, you know, some level of exploitation that's also still happening in the in a big protected area. So anyway, having said that, um, we are in the process of you know, recognizing our MPAs or reclassifying our OECM, the small MPAs, 
into MPAs itself so that we can report that already to the world database. But there are other forms of AZMs in the country like uh, military reserves, fisheries reserves, and even areas for research uh, of our national universities. These are still, uh, these are considered as museums. But uh, again, what I, the chatter is, uh, for this OECM to be considered as protected areas, there should no, um, no extraction that's being done inside uh, these OECMs. In order for this OECM to be included to the MPA award MPA database. Mm-hmm. And what role do you think uh, they will play in the future of uh, you know conservation in the Philippines, marine biodiversity, and actually all biodiversity as well? I guess it's where where we can realistically achieve mm-hmm. uh, greater areas for protection mm-hmm. because the it's uh, the small MPAs are you know uh, being established by the communities themselves mm-hmm. and the local government units. So it's not the national government. If it's the national government dictate. That, that, uh, that is dictating on the local government. And uh, the compliance sometimes is very low. Uh, unlike when it's the community themselves who wants to protect their environment and establish their MPAs, then the acceptance, the social and the political acceptance is already there, which is one of the reasons why it takes very long uh, to establish an MPA. So that's it. So I guess if OECM will be recognized as part of our MPAs, and that can be reported to the world database. Uh, the Philippines has a greater chance to achieve more uh, that way. Okay, all right. And and Richard, how about in in Thailand? You know, do uh, does Thailand recognize OECMs? You know, do you have any today? Um, in Thailand, uh, I think uh, even the 30 by 30 target and the OECM are quite new and most people don't know about it. And uh, the OECM have been uh, discussed uh, among a specific groups of policymakers, uh, practitioners or scholars. And the good news is, uh, is that the discussion on OECM is growing because uh, they, they see some possibility that we we could apply it uh, in Thailand. Um, however, we, we still need some information or understanding. And uh, uh, luckily we have, uh, we, we are planning to have a, a workshop in November, uh, Marine Biodiversity Research Group, uh, Ramgampang University in, collabor- uh, in collaborations with the GISAT, uh, CBD Skaterate and the ONEP. And uh, we organized uh, the National Capacity Building Workshop to increase the knowledge and understanding of the uh, EPSAS and the OECM and uh, and others uh, conservation measures. I think uh, these events uh, could help uh, increase understanding and the perception of the OECM and the importance of uh, MPA in, in Thailand. So, uh, so far, Thailand doesn't have any uh, OECM, as, as I mentioned earlier. And um, however, there are uh, various types of location that uh, could meet the criteria of the OECM uh, designation. Uh, for example, uh, we talk about uh, marine ar- archaeological site, uh, basic uh, areas of offshore oil and platform. Uh, that becomes like uh, natural habitats for marine life. 
and some uh, ecological um, importance areas located in uh, military area, coastal sea, or even the locally conserved area. This could be uh, possibly counted as OECM in the future, but uh, we need to uh, need to just like to gain more knowledge and to, to gain more experience uh, for 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 doing this. Uh, one thing is that we are talking about uh, uh, about the law as well. What law and what type of uh, regulation should we draft up uh, for supporting the OECM designation? That is still uh, questionable. Okay. All right. And uh, uh, Julian, uh, we've spoken about it before, but you know, how would you uh, talk about Malaysia in terms of uh, whether we recognize OECMs? You know, do we have any of those? Yeah. Yeah, I think a similar position to Thailand. Uh, it's an emerging conversation. Um, there's, as far as I know, we don't have any widely recognized OECMs yet. Uh, there's a piece of work going on at the moment uh, to look at, to to look for some OECMs. Uh, they're trying to apply the IUCN guidelines on, on recognizing and establishing OECMs, uh, but to my knowledge, none have actually been you know, widely recognized. The government said, yes, we recognize that as, a, as an OECM. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it, you know, recognizing the fact that the government can't do everything, sure. uh, and there are some things which are easily done at a local level, um, I, I think OECMs can help towards the, the bigger picture. Um, uh, of the, the, the 30% target. Now, a little island with one resort protects the reef in front of it because there are divers and snorkelers coming in and out of the water. It's a safety issue as much as anything, but that has the effect of protecting the biodiversity there because the fishermen don't come along, and so you get some very nice reefs uh, developing in those areas. Do we call that an OECM? Sure, why not? What's the management method? What's the law that we need to, to recognize it and allow it to be protected? How do we assess its performance and so on? Like Wichin said, that's all we have. We have to develop all of that. Uh, but I think as a concept, it's it's accepted. So we're now trying to work on the details in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So quite nascent in, in, in countries like Malaysia and, and Thailand, for example. Okay. All right. And we're just running out of time. But, you know, if I can just briefly, very quickly ask you guys about uh, IPLC, so Indigenous Peoples and Local Communities. You know, as Julian and I have been discussing throughout this whole series, you know, listening to the voices of uh, Indigenous Peoples and Local Communities has been central uh, to the discussion on the CBD post-2020 framework process. Can you talk to me a little bit about whether your respective countries are Wichin and Mike, uh, are strengthening grassroots activism in the name of uh, biodiversity. Uh, uh, Mike, you want to go first? Uh, yes. Um, the IPR rights here in the Philippines is well recognized. In fact, we have a law called IPRA, or the Indigenous People Rights Act in the Philippines. And their rights over their ancestral claims is uh, one of the most important, you know, um, thing. Uh, that's provided to them. So there are IPs uh, in which they have their ancestral domains. They are managing them already. So there is an, a permanent title given to them. So we call it the CADTI or the Certificate of Ancestral Domain uh, Title. So they are protecting it on a huge, like a huge piece of land and so that their way of life can be, can be maintained. And there are a few examples uh, for marine of marine areas, uh, which are al- which are already cut these, but more of in the terrestrial areas uh, of this one, and this is actually encouraged. And in case where the cut lies within 
uh, a protected area, national managed protected area. It has to be integrated uh, within the management framework of that big protected area. So it's not problematic in the Philippines. In fact, it is encouraged and more and more IP groups are actually claiming their own ancestral domains. And we have one that we just recently given to the Muslim communities in the South mm -hmm. uh, for their self, you know, autonomy. So they have their self-governance. Uh, it's just very recently uh, for centuries, you know, they're fighting for that uh, small piece of land to be given to them. So there are models already just like this in the Philippines. I guess to my recollection, there are already two models of self-autonomy uh, run by the, the IPs themselves. But for those areas that are important for biodiversity, so we have a lot of examples of that. And as I said, if they are, they happen to be within a nationally managed protected area, they have to be managed um, as an integral part of the protected area. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and do you see this, you know, just uh, increasing in the future, you know, more participation by IPLCs in terms of uh, management uh, of protected areas, OECMs, all of that? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, the civil society movement in the Philippines is quite strong. It's yeah. one, maybe, of those uh, things that we are strong at. Uh, and IP rights is one of them. So there are groups which are, their, their niche is on IP rights and Still, it's still a struggle, you know, when there's there some development of work in some areas, like conversion of, you know, a huge piece of land into something, and then they fall within the indigenous, um, you know, land, uh, people's land. Then there's the, that issue of, you know, whether the IPs can protect themselves or, you know, can resist that development happening in the piece of land, or maybe they'll be coerced to just sell their uh, their their title to the developers, so things like this, and mm -hmm. and in the the Philippines quite sensitive in that one, and this, especially the civil society, and I guess uh, there will be an increasing role of the IPs because you know the movement here in the Philippines is quite strong on that uh, on that one on that on that aspect. Okay, that, that's very encouraging. Uh, and Vijin, how about over in Thailand? Um, uh, how how are you? Uh, how is the country? Um, you know, listening to the voices of the indigenous peoples and local communities when it comes to biodiversity management. Yeah, um, there is a great uh, improvement of the, uh, I mean, local engagement uh, and participation uh, in Thailand compared to the past. It means that uh, it makes IPLC become visible. Uh, than the past. Uh, this is because of the the improvement of Thai constitutions and other major acts like uh, the, the decentralization plans and procedure acts yeah. of the 1999. This um, that empowers uh, local communities as well as the the uh, indigenous people. Luckily, we uh, we have uh, just like uh, three drugs acts that's about. Uh, protection and promotion of rights and livelihood of ethnic groups and indigenous people. This draft is being reviewed and will be effective in, in the future. And I'm going to share with you some points that uh, we have a long history between the IPLC and uh, the marine protected areas. Like many countries, uh, we have uh, been facing with the problems on the conflicts between the IPLC particularly um, 
local features and marine protected area. Uh, marine protected area uh, are generally no take area, right? But it's still uh, still the fishing are still found uh, within the the marine park. So local fishers claim that uh, MPA affects their livelihoods and lessen their rights to fish. It seems that they have a negative uh, perceptions on the, of the um, national park governance system and the management actions. Uh, and it's getting worse, the relationship between the IPLC and the national park. And thus, uh, the national parks has a policy to establish the, the, the National Park Committee, which uh, consists of the community leaders, representative of uh, relevant government officers, NGOs, to talk, to resolve the problem, and to make agreements together. Uh, so there is an, a, a communal agreement came up uh, to ease the regulations. Uh, they allowed uh, small-scale fishers who live in or near marine marine park uh, to fish in the the in the the designated zone uh, within the, the the marine park boundaries, and this is an important role of the IPLC that that can bring up their needs or their problems to the authority for further establishing policy and regulation, which are uh, fits and responsive to the local context. Um, another thing is that uh, IPLC could also help authority in MPA mo monitoring activities as well. Uh, when they are fishing, uh, when, they, when they see illegal activities in the sea, they can uh, report back to the, the national park or uh, the ranger units uh, to, to, to deal with that. Yeah, I think that this is the case from Thailand. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And it's interesting to know that, you know, there was that um, dialogue that happened and, you know, uh, the, the authorities actually listened and, and that's great. You know, they came to to an agreement, isn't it? That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Julian, I've just got a couple of minutes left. Any thoughts you'd like to add to uh, what Mike and uh, Bichin have shared? We have, uh, there are various customary rights for uh, for Sabah and Sarawak. Uh, we have the uh, Indigenous people in, in Peninsula Malaysia as well. So some of those protections are in place, but I think they can be strengthened. Um, and I think <clears throat> it's, it's nice to see that there's a growing uh, appreciation of the need to include local communities in conversations on management um, and protection of uh, biodiversity. So I think that's a conversation that's definitely heading in the right direction. We're, we have a lot, long, long way to go, but it, at least it's now being recognised and we can start to work on it. And I would hope that before long, we'll be seeing the sort of consultations that Jim was talking about where you actually bring stakeholders together to work out how best to manage and protect an area so that everybody's interests are looked after. All right. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, uh, for joining me today and for sharing you know, all your different perspectives. I've been speaking to Dr. Michael P. Atrigenio, Assistant Professor, Marine Science Institute, University of the Philippines, Vichin Supala, a researcher at the Marine Biodiversity Research Group, Department of Biology, Faculty of Science, Ramkangheng University, and Julian Hyde, the General Manager of ReefCheck Malaysia. It was another episode of Biodiversity for Malaysia. We're looking at what we can learn you know, from our neighbours in Southeast Asia. If you miss any part of our conversation today or any of our previous episodes in this series, just download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the bfm app this has been earth matters on the bigger picture bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app